Welcome to Second Viewing, New Look, Same Great Taste. I'm Kyle. I'm Dan. Shakabra. Today on the cast, we're back. It's season two of the podcast. We're here to talk about The Lobster. Daniel, how excited are you? Well, I'm super pumped to do this film, first of all, but I'm also pumped that we're able to record in uh, a new studio. Uh, Paved Arts is uh, allowing us to use their studio, which is fantastic for the cast. It's uh, a lot of new equipment, a lot of a little bit of a learning curve, but uh, we're getting used to it and uh, we're quite feeling enjoying good. it. We're yeah. feeling good. We got a lot of new tools, a lot of new uh, tricks of the trade to learn, but uh, overall, I think it's, it's a good thing. <laughs> I mean, this treated sound room is fantastic, man. It's a little warm in here. But oh, uh, she's Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little Stevie in here. But other than that, it's 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 uh, it's it's fantastic. Like, you could almost really say that nice we're boiling like lobsters, you know? <laughs> you could almost say that. I don't know. I don't know if you would, but you could. Well, I guess uh, that's a beautiful segue into the film this week, which we have chosen as our uh, premiere for the season two. This is the lobster. It's a two thousand and 15, kind of 2016 film. It's one of those European releases that slowly trickled its way through the North American market. Uh, we had a chance to see this about a month ago now, and we were like, this is the film we have to do for the podcast, Absolutely. bringing it back. It's, uh, it's definitely a very interesting, artsy-style film, uh, de- right up our alley as far as uh, our, our tastes go. Yeah, um, um, I think... Uh, I think it's one of those movies that we knew uh, just needed a second viewing at the very least, and we wanted to bring it to the to the audio recording for you folks today. So we ended up watching this together just a couple nights ago, and we were like, "Let's just sit down, let's talk about how it was the first time around, and let's uh, get excited for the second time." So exactly. So our second viewing was actually last night. Yeah, and um, what we're gonna do is just jump into a little synopsis of the film real quick for y'all. Yeah, so, give you a little um, overview, and then we've got some points of discussion to follow that. A um, little bit of a format change, but we think we're going to roll with it. You know, if you have any comments or questions, concerns, let us know. We can always and take all, that into consideration, but we just want to try yeah. it out, and uh, that's kind of the vibe, I guess. So Absolutely. good? Absolutely. All right, let's jump into it. All right, well, here we are. So The Lobster is a 2015-2016 film, like I just said, by Yorgos Lanthanos. <laughs> I probably butchered that name, but it's kind of whatever at this point. Uh, the film is set in a near-future dystopian society in which there's a strong emphasis on relationships. Uh, our main character, David, played by the wonderful yet kind of a douchebag Colin Farrell, uh, <laughs> goes to a hotel where he is meant to find a mate within 45 days or he's going to be turned into an animal in which he chooses that he will turn into a lobster Hence the title of the film. He and other hotel guests struggle to find a mate, but when his prospect kind of goes awry, he escapes to the forest in which he comes across his partner known as the girl, what is it, the short-sighted girl? Short-sighted Short-sighted girl. girl. Yeah, they share a disability, which is not being nearsighted, but short-sighted. Yeah, and I guess we'll get into that in just a minute here. Uh, She's played by Rachel Wise, and, you know, they're known as the loners in the forest. The loners often go into the city, kind of interact in their own way, but despite that, they also have their own rules and regulations. It's kind of the gist of the film right there. differs very much from the hotel. Yeah, but, you know, at the same time, they have a lot of commonalities, I think. Yeah, I think And that's kind of, I think, this idea of escapism, that you can't really escape your own problems is definitely a theme in this right. film. Right, it needs to be faced. So a couple of points of discussion that we wanted to uh, jump in and talk about first. Uh, number one is sort of the dark comedic undertones. Yeah. Now, if you're the type of person who likes a British comedy or um, 
something in that similar vein. I wouldn't call this a comedy, but there's definitely, it's a little bit silly. I mean, we talked about this when right. we were watching the movie the other night, and it, uh, the plot is, I mean, the, the fact that you could be turned into an animal of your choosing, it's a little silly. Yeah, and the character's uh, animal choices are silly. The, the lobster exactly. itself is kind of silly, um, but, but yeah, no, the dark, the dark community dark. undertone is there. Mm-hmm. And you bring up the BBC, and this is kind of one thing we were joking about earlier, was like, I felt like this movie was as if, you know, uh, Wes Anderson had the cho- chance to direct a BBC television series. This is kind of the direction he would go mm-hmm. with. Because it, it's very kind of quirky, I guess you could say in a sense, but maybe a little bit darker than his style, to be fair. But yeah. that being said, it, it kind of reminded me of that. Um, Definitely. It, it, it toys on the idea of death a lot. Like, it definitely oh, yeah, dances the, around that whole... It romanticizes it with a degree, like... Uh, the lack of empathy and, you know, uh, kind of care for human life is so so pre- prevalent. And you kind of, so I'm going to say that's kind of jarring at first when you start watching the film. But uh, as the film progresses, you know, you're more and more comfortable with whatever world they're building for you. That being said, beautiful world building. Yeah, I felt like absolutely. just completely sucked into this movie. Um, I think that's probably one of the reasons why Just we want to enough, talk about it. Yeah, I mean, they don't give you a, a ton of details about the world itself. More or less, the rules pertaining to the hotel and the the, the group of loners. Right, and you know, there there's a lot of dialogue in this movie, but not a lot of it. Well, not too much of it is really descriptive of what's going on. It's more so descriptive of how things should be set up. It's like. Oh, uh, please be at the hotel room in approximately five minutes, and from there on, you'll be eating your dinner. And if you don't eat your dinner, you will be uh, executed. <laughs> it's kind of this like really yeah. uh, risk but and reward system they kind of set up for definitely you. Definitely, one of the scenes that struck me as being dark and lightly comedic was when um, I guess you could say one of the close friends that Colin Farrell makes in the hotel, um, played by uh, the, John C. Riley. John C. Riley, yeah. yeah, one of the stepbrothers. Um, <laughs> Film about <laughs> um, there's a scene where he's eating breakfast, and now what's interesting about this is before bed, your dominant hand is handcuffed to the back of your pants, so you can't masturbate. And your so, isn't your pants locked as well? At some yeah, point? and your pants are locked too. Well, somehow they discovered that John C. Riley had masturbated or found a way to masturbate, <laughs> and. They come to him while he's eating breakfast with a toaster, and they force his hand into the toaster as punishment for doing it. Yeah. That's a really good uh, scene to bring up, because it, the, the scene's kind of set up in a funny way. You're like, oh, I got caught masturbating. And John C. Riley is just like kind of the perfect actor for this movie, yeah. because you can't quite take him, t- you can't take him totally 100% serious, but at the same time, you know, he means what he's saying, so it's... It's this weird kind of situation, but then when he gets his hand in the toaster, you feel really like it's very jarring. Yeah, and they're and yeah. they holding his hand burning in this toaster. And he's like screaming. It's almost, yeah, he's screaming. It's kind of a graphic scene, really. Also, this is maybe something we didn't really talk too much about, but like the score in this movie, it's like this weird, like psycho esque, like. Yeah, that's true. It's very, it, yeah. it adds to the, I guess, the haunting feeling, I'd say, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's. That's something to bring up for sure is, like, this comedic undertone that is in all this darkness. And, you know, they're trying to find love and they're wanting to kind of be accepted. And I think that's kind of like an awkward thing, you know, whether, like, I mean, whatever age you're at, I guess. Um, But behind that are all these, like, expectations and stipulations on how you're supposed to do that. 
and that's kind of where the comedy meets like these the dark the yeah, dark, the dark side. undertones yeah and uh i think the punishment and the severity of it is yeah really brings forward the sort of darkness in it it's just not accepted that plain and simple right and everyone seems to just ex- abide by the rules accept the fact that there is these rules and that's it and there's a yeah. uh, strict punishment for um for for not abiding by them uh, I mean, w- almost one example is uh, later in the movie when we meet the, the heartless girl. Right. <laughs> um, Great girl. She's totally ruthless. She murders uh, Colin Farrell's dog, which he had been to the hotel prior and chose to become a dog, the dog being his brother. So essentially she has killed his brother in a dog form to test him to see if he really is as heartless as she is. And it's sort of this, it's... It's, it's like just for reaction. Yeah, it's, it's just, just for sake. reaction. And it's like, that's where I kind of got this really, really dark vibe. It's definitely less comedic in that scene, but yeah. at the same time, it's kind of oh, very much pushing the dark and the comedy in certain aspects. I mean, you get you get a little bit of comedy through it as well. Most, for example, when uh, the hotel manager walks into the room on the first day that Colin Farrell arrives, she says, have you thought about the choice of animal that you'd like to be turned into if it comes to that? Yeah. And he says, a lobster. And she says, most people's first choice is dogs. That's why we have so many dogs in the world. <laughs> and so that's kind of like, yeah, you know, it's true. it's sort of solely or lightly comedic. Right, um, right. Whereas on the on the flip side, the the scene where the heartless girl kills the dog is very much it's very dark. Dark. And there's so like, there's this contrast yeah. where there's darkness and comedy in the same scene, and then there's just some straight up dark scenes and some straight up comedic scenes. It's kind of it's a true. weird balance that 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 is is covered throughout the movie and layered. And like the darker scenes are so much more prominent. It feels like like the scene with the heartless woman you bring up is definitely one of them. There's like two or th- yeah. One or two more that are just, like, kind of just dark and just, like, right. a little too much to take in. I almost think that sometimes, you know, a dark scene sticks with you more than a happier comedic scene it's does true. sometimes, you know? But, you know, to be honest, they don't stick with me too much in this movie, only because I feel the movie's setting you up to kind of accept those those ideas within the world. Right, yeah. Yeah, It's not. it doesn't Absolutely. seem too out of the ordinary. It's like, well, well, I mean, they said she was heartless in the beginning. Five minutes into the movie, we found out she had no heart. The fact she did that doesn't really surprise me too yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. You're right. It's not a huge surprise, but yeah. it definitely reinforces the idea totally. in the world. No, I completely agree. And mm. this whole idea of, like, you know, pleasure equals pain sort of thing. Like, there's, there's a, the idea of, like, sex is kind of strange in this film, like, especially in the hotel when um, they make an, I guess I make an assumption on this because, again, we don't get a lot of information, but we assume that every night when uh, Colin Farrell or anyone's character goes to sleep, they kind of get, like, a lap dance from one of the maids right before they're about to, like, finish. And then it's like, okay, we got to leave yeah. now. Sorry. Yeah, so Just to, like, remind him that he needs to find a mate see, or else he's going to, like... that's a really good like... point, and I'm sure we'll bring this up again later. But yeah. it's crazy because you, we see it twice, I think, um, in two different instances. One with Colin Farrell and one with... I can't remember who else. But essentially the maid walks in, pulls up her skirt. And she's not naked. She's got underwear and some tights on. And she just sort of rubs her ass all over all over the, the guy's dick until he's about to jizz. And then she gets up and leaves. <laughs> and it's kind of like forcibly... Well, the way they describe it is um, the effect it has for you to search yeah. for a mate. It's like a psychological, like, you know, they're trying to, like... 
entice of, that like human like I guess you could say animalistic uh, right. rage, right? Or not rage, but more so like hunger or whatever. Like exactly, they want you to find a mate to go back to society. It's like with. oh, dude, that that fe- and like yeah, and I, it does reinforce that idea that you should be finding a mate or else. Because you're going to be feeling this right. pain more often than not, you know? Exactly. And, and so, I think, yeah, I know it's true. They they do they do elaborate that a lot in the film. But the comedy is still there. Like, at one point I want to bring up is just kind of the dialogue. The way people talk and dress and their it's mannerisms. It's factual. It's, yeah, it's so factual. It's on. It's very, like, point to point And it's, yeah. I don't know, it, it, it's not necessarily natural from, like, our understanding of society. But I guess within this one, it's just how people act. It's very, yeah, like you're saying, factual. Yeah, it, it paints a different idea of society that is factual and to the point, and partners are more effective, or like, you know, couples are more effective than single people. Right. And this whole, we need to procreate, and like, there's this need that's pushed on people. There's way, it seems to be like, seems to me like there's way less freedom. Now, a cool conversation that I would bring up, um, based on the factual part of it is when they're they're sitting in the dance hall looks like they just finished dinner and they're looking to dance and um one of the two guys that Colin Farrell seems to associate himself with while he's inside the hotel says to um John C Riley um have you ever danced before and he goes yeah and he asks what kind of dance that depends on the music. Like it's very just factual. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, everything uh, is everything is kind of set up to mean something, or set set up to kind of not necessarily be ambiguous, but to just kind of describe the moment. It's like it's so like point to point yeah. to point. It's like every conversation is another pen stroke painting the picture of yeah. what the movie is, which is kind of interesting. There's not a lot of wasted yeah. scenes, in my opinion, and. It's it's pretty visually stunning too. Now I don't know if you so much pick up on the on the comedic or or dark undertones of it through visually. Yeah. Personally, I think it's a more through the dialogue. Yeah, the film it definitely. If you were to watch this film without the without sound, it would just seem like a dark drama, hundred percent. Yeah. I think for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, one point I want to bring up maybe before we go to our next topic here is just in terms of the interactions and the dark tone is uh, kind of bringing back to a novel or I guess it's a film now too, The Giver. And that, it kind of reminded me of this like idea of where like you don't want to be so... Um, fr- free-flowing. Yeah, you don't want to be so free-flowing and you don't want to, you know, embarrass people or talk about their secrets or their personality traits. You kind of want to like take away that like identity and a dystopian society as well. Right. But in this one, it's in this film, it's it's almost the entire opposite, where it's like people are just outright telling people's like, "Oh, you're kind of you're kind of a you're kind of ugly. You have a lisp. Yeah. You limp." Their complete defining characteristics, yeah, characteristics are something that's yeah. so very surface dwelling. Yeah. For example, um, one of the guys that's associated with Colin Farrell um, when he gets up and talks about his second day experiences on the stage, he says, my defining characteristic is he has a limp. It's not that he's compassionate or caring or that he really loves to do something, throw darts, I don't know. It's that he has a limp. Yeah. And I mean... So it's very... It is a very surface... And it's, it's, you know, that in itself is funny and kind of sad, right? Yeah, because I think it builds relationships on something that is so... It's it's a surface dwelling relationship. There's no, it's not deep. It's not emotional. It's not caring. It's it's just based on what you look like on the surface, yeah. And how you need to uphold 
the same what what you're viewing of us viewed as and right. the, and these traits are really important, and we're probably going to touch on that a bit more in some other yeah, topics. But uh, yeah, Daniel, what's the what's the next topic? We're so about? moving on to the next topic. Now we looked hard in this movie, I think, because of the title for some animal symbolism. Uh, right. I think I picked up on a little bit. Um, it's less prevalent than I originally thought on the first viewing. Um, uh, like after watching it for a second time, I noticed it. It wasn't as prevalent as as I originally thought. But I think there's still a little bit to be said about Colin Farrell's choice in becoming a lobster. Yeah, I got the I got the reasoning written down here. Um, point one, he said he they live up to a hundred years. You know, he's looking for long longevity. You know, that's yeah. admirable. Good for the guy. <laughs> They're blue blooded like aristocrats, which yeah. is hilarious. It's a little a little comedic there. Oh, doesn't he also say that they they remain fertile for most of their they lives? They remain fertile most of their lives. Yeah. And he just likes the sea and he likes to swim. <laughs> right. Really simple yeah. answers. But I mean It's so descriptive at the same time. It's yeah, so exactly. like you there's could, a lot of reasoning behind that. Yeah, exactly. Like you could look really deep into those answers, but uh you could also just take it as a face value and say, right. oh, he likes the sea. Yeah, that's kind of the, like, like you were just saying, when we first saw this, we thought, well, like, oh, there's so much animal, like, there's a reason why each one has, why each person chose that animal, and then animals, it kind of represents this and that, and, like, that's probably true to a degree, but at the end of the day, I honestly just think it's, you know, it, it's that person's choice, it's maybe that's their own trait, they want to be this animal, it's not really, right. especially if we don't see a lot of it, we see a few examples, like, you know, his brother, he was his loyal brother, so, of course, you know, he's a dog, man's best friend. That kind right. of idea. I'd like to bring up a, a, another point, though, about... There's a couple scenes where we do see animals. Now, we see a camel in the forest later. Right. Um, I think we might see an ostrich. I could be wrong on that. Um, but one that I'd like to bring up is the best friend to the girl who dates the guy with... Or go, ends up with the guy w with a limp. Um, the best friend to her has really nice hair, and there's a scene where she talks about how nice her hair is. Yeah. And we end up finding out later she turns into a pony. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's there's an association between, like, yeah. yeah, hair and ponies and, and that kind of well, stuff. Well, it kind right? of reminds me of, like, you know, people describe, uh, you know, dog owners. They kind of resemble the dog they choose. Right. You know, it's that kind of, or, you know, your maybe your car resembles you in a way or, or something like that. It's kind yeah. of this attachment to or, something that is very essential to your lifestyle. Or right, your life. or how you project your life onto objects or things. You... Totally. And the pony traits, right. the pony one's a good point. Like, you know, she kind of comes up as maybe not necessarily the best friend. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. She all, the only thing we know about her, she has nice hair. Mm -hmm. And turns out, you know, what do ponies have? It's nice hair. Nice hair generally, yeah. <laughs> so that's, 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 that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, you're right. The idea of, like, animals appearing, though, or um, animals in general Strolling as humans the are scene. interesting. Yeah. And, you know, we get a, we get a lot of, like, rabbit-related uh, scenes a little bit later on where uh, David meets his interest in the forest. The short-sighted girl. Yeah, and uh, yeah. she always asks for rabbits. And I think that's uh, she just yeah she describes her favorite food as being a rabbit and and that yeah sort of thing. I don't know this is kind of a point we wanted to bring up but maybe there's not a ton to talk about I think it's more or less well, just I think important there might, uh, yeah no I think there might be a really great point between the rabbits there right. with with Rachel Freeze where it's um, wise, she Rachel, what's that wise 
A wise man once told me. Okay, so her favorite, Rachel's favorite food is rabbits. Yeah. But um, she also is a loner. She ran away from being turned into the animal uh, at the hotel, right? As, you know, presumably. So, you know, maybe she was afraid to turn into um, a rabbit because it is her favorite food and they get killed so often. Do you know what I mean? It's okay. like maybe there's a fear okay. of survival there where it's like if she tur right. gets turned into an, an, uh, a rabbit, an animal that might resent, represent her, that... Yeah, and you, that's a good point. And there. they do kind of bring that up at the hotel where they say, what do you want to do in your last day? I'd recommend not doing anything you can do while you're an animal because, you know, it's still in your tool set. You can still do that if you want to. Do something yeah. you can only do as a human. So that's, that's pretty true, man. Maybe, you know, she's that thing of this idea of, like, her humanity versus her life as an animal, and that's maybe a missing link yeah. between her life to choices. Absolutely. But, yeah, I think you're right, man. That's pretty sweet. Uh, but anyways, we're going to take a breaker right here. So you guys uh, still stay tuned, and we'll catch you later. And we're back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the lobster here still. We're going to kind of move on to our uh, final topic point, you know, point of discussion thing, that, or the thing that I thought was most important. This, this is a big one. This is a really big one. Yeah, we're saving um, the best for last. We gave you a little treat, maybe a little appetizer. This is the main course. <laughs> 100%. Uh, this definitely sums up most of the movie. Uh, includes, uh, yeah, it's it, it, it absolutely sort of speaks for itself. Expectations of love and partnership in that world. And sort of in connection to ours. Yeah, they, they kind of, you know, compare and contrast, you know, maybe what is common or what is expected of love and relationships in, you know, common society that we live in. And they kind of throw that in your face in terms of what they believe in and what they're trying to push towards the characters in the film. Exactly. We, we see a lot of this later into the film, though the, the idea is definitely planted in the beginning. Um, what I'm talking about is specifically near towards the end of the film when Colin Farrell has, re has joined the loners. He's run away from his, uh, his fate of becoming a lobster at the hotel and joined the group of loners that lives in the f woods and is hunted by the hotel. Um, and th he ends up going to the city. And while they're in the city, he has hit um, the girl he ends up falling in love with. He's pretending to be in love with her in the city while pretending not to be in love with her in the woods. Which, <laughs> which is, is something we maybe should bring up quick is yeah. the, the loners in the woods, they have their own rules as well. Yeah, exactly. which is Which is that, you know, they can't... Uh, kiss or fall in love with any other loners around them. Yeah, no flirting. They yeah. are loners which is, to the core. Which is really important to the film because, you know, Colin Farrell escapes the hotel to kind of find maybe something better or to kind of maybe, you know, have more freedom, I guess, essentially. Right. But and he gets brought into a whole other game of rules and another, like, dictatorship that he has to follow, really. Yeah, exactly. Not so much as a kiss. Otherwise, you'll be given a punishment known as the red kiss, which is razor blades to the lips. Which is so silly, again, because let's keep us in mind that at the hotel, you would get your hand electrocuted if you masturbated. And if you kiss outside the hotel, you get your lips sewn. So it's just kind of this idea that you almost can't win. Yeah. And that if you don't find... If you don't find a soulmate, don't find love, you're better off dead, basically. Right. And I think the, the, the contrast between that is pushing the idea of there's a place for everything, which almost pushes the entire expectation of relationship into right. a specific place. And also, right? like, you're talking about these, these places in which relationships need to go, and I think you're totally right, man, in the way that 
they're all focused on a commonality, how these commonalities need to fit in place with one another. And so we see a character right, that's who, a really good point. Too. We see a character, um, Man with a Limp, who we were talking about earlier, who kind of finds a girl that he like fancies or he's interested in, notices that her characteristic is that she gets nosebleeds a lot. So what does he do? He bangs his head on, you know, a table or a wall, so he gets a nosebleed too, just to fake the fact that just you know have they have in that in common. With her. Yeah. Which again is sad and also kind of funny and just it, this movie left me feeling so awkward. You know? Right. Well, <laughs> it, it it's crazy to think that you know. Everything is taken for such such face value in this movie that, you know, you need to have something in common with a person in order to pursue them. Yeah. Like the nosebleed yeah. to the point where you got guys faking nosebleeds just so they can, first of all, not die. And second of all, find some sort of partnership and relationship. Now, we never really find out what happens to them other than the fact that. You know, they're progressing in their relationship. They're finishing up their stay at the hotel. They now have um, a daughter, which is sort of a step-in daughter. They they are, yeah, they're given a daughter. They don't have a child together, but, like... They're given, they're assigned a child. Which which they say, you know, if you don't fall in love right away, we'll give you a child, which often helps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, again, it's, it's just this acceptance, or, like, this need for acceptance. And even if you're halfway there, okay, good. You're, at least you're halfway there, then you're not scum of the earth. If you're not halfway there, exactly. you're the scum of the earth. Exactly. Um, it's like, yeah. it's to the point where it, it almost doesn't even matter if it is true love or there's a real connection there. Yeah. It's just kind of, you're stronger as a group. It's like, it's like don't believe in you, don't give in to your emotions. Yeah. It's just trust us. You're stronger yeah, as a group. That's kind of what two. they're forcing on everyone. And uh, one really, uh, one of my probably favorite scenes in the film where they, where the loners are the ones that kind of they, they realize this. They're like, oh, we understand why, you know, why they're thinking this way in the hotel and why society thinks this way. So they have kind of this like sabotage, like kind of like espionage esque uh, break in to a couple uh, couples surrounding the hotel and in the hotel. Anyways, uh, at one yeah, point... Yeah, it's like they're trying to say you're loners at yeah. heart. You might be together yeah, in you guys bed, are wrong. You like, how sleep. happy are you really sort of thing. Yeah. So we get the leader of the loners and uh, the, the woman with the, with the short-sighted girl, I think, as yeah. well. She, um, they confront the owners of the hotel, the man and woman of the, who run the hotel, and they, you know, they tie the woman up, and they hold the man at gunpoint, and they say to him, they say... Uh, how much do you love her? He's like, oh, I love her with all my heart. Honestly, how much do you love her from a scale of 1 to 15? And he says, 14. 14. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, 14 is an excellent number. Uh, but, you know, if you really want to live, you have to kill her yourself. And they hand yeah. him the gun. Or the, well, yeah, they ask her, who, or they ask him who would be able to survive oh, yeah, who would be able better to, on yeah. their own. And he's like, honestly, I have these, I, I would definitely be, be able to survive on my own. I have yeah. really great qualities. I, I just have it in me. Yeah, to me, that whole scene is is pushing the idea of that they're loners at heart. The yeah. loners are trying to show the, the people who run the hotel who are forcing this idea of partnership upon people that... You're loners at heart. No matter if you end up with a partner or not, you're a loner at heart. You will always yeah. deck, stick up for you or stand for yourself. Well, even maybe not necessarily that they're loners, but it's just that, like, at the end of the day, their philosophy is wrong. They're, they're yeah. believing in something that isn't reality, and they're believing in something that isn't their own actual emotions. They're just trying to right. subscribe to an idea that That's is been accepted. on to them. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what ends up happening in the end of that scene is after they chat, after they ask... Um, 
the partner of the manager of the hotel how much he loves her. He says 14. He tries to say, oh, I'd be much better on my own. I'd be much better on my own than she would. She couldn't do it. Then, um, immediately following that, they pass him the gun and say, kill her. Oh, yeah. if you're better on your own, kill her. And he hesitates for a moment and then pulls the trigger, to which he finds there's no bullets yeah, in it. And there. it was kind of just an espionage trick. Just, just, to, like, to, yeah. just to seal the deal, just to face. drive it home and say, you're wrong. And what's really interesting is at the same time as the scene's uh, progressing, we see Colin Farrell uh, interrupt like a dinner with the man with the limp and the girl who with has the bleeding nose, nose, yeah. And he goes in there and he like kind of tries to like out the guy. He's like, he doesn't actually get nosebleeds. He bangs his head on a table or whatever it may be. He just wanted to impress you. And the man doesn't really get upset. He's kind of like, oh, shit, like I, I'm outed. Like they, he, he found me out to the point where his wife now grabs him and just says, like, I'm going to kill you, like, shoves him against the wall and, like, is just upset with the no, idea. Think, was was that not the, was that was the limping man? Right? Yeah, the limping man, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the limping man, and he's with the his now wife, who's the woman with the nosebleed. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because it seems as if whether she knew or not that he was being truthful, she didn't care. She just wanted to be with someone. She wanted to be considered a mate. And the fact that he was trying to ruin that, she was upset with. See, the visually that I told, I get get that as well. But there was no like, there was no word said. But visually, you get the yeah. idea that she was happy to be with him because she was happy to be with him. Yeah. Not because of his nosebleed, which hints at the idea that there is an an essence of true love or potential true love in this world. But at the same time, there was no dialogue said between yeah. them after that. I guess, I guess for me, I just see it in a much more cynical way, just based on this movie's tone. I feel yeah. as if she maybe has found it on her own, you know, but she doesn't like facing that reality. So she just kind of pretends as if they in, in a sense they're all pretending really they're all just like oh you have the same trait as me oh perfect we're made for each other yeah and you know whether we don't actually have that trait i'm still trying to pretend that so i'm accepting the society you're trying to ruin that for me therefore i'm angry at you yeah exactly yeah. it's like they paint it's it's almost like everyone is an outsider until you're in right? yeah yeah but it's funny because they're chasing a reality that's not reality yeah, exactly. It's, it's a game of pretend, really. Yeah, and the one point I wrote down that kind of describes a lot of this movie for me is, like, these characters are sucking the romance out of romance. There's not a lot of actual true love or affection going on. That's right. Besides, um, you know, kind of the main characters in this film, which is David and the short, short-sighted short woman. Yeah. And I think, you know, we kind of see their story progress more. You know, he, or sorry, she um, saves his life from John C. Riley, she ends up. She stabs him in the leg or something. Yeah, with a she knife. stabs John C. Riley in the leg. Yeah, who is still a member of the hotel hunting the loners, which Colin Farrell's now a part yeah. of. Yeah. Oh, right? that's one thing I think. Might have, did we talk about this? Where uh, the hunters are hunting the loners so they can get an extra day in the hotel to extend. Yeah, their life. we haven't brought that up yet. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. Yeah. I mean, we're first introduced to it after the dancing scene, and if it appears that they've just finished dinner, the curtains open, an alarm goes off, and everyone immediately grabs their jacket and their tranquilizer gun, <laughs> um, to which they have, I think, what is it, 18 darts or 20 darts yeah, or something? Yeah, something like that. They hop on a bus, and they're unloaded uh, near the woods, to which they all charge in in attempts to catch some loners. Yeah. Now, for every loner you catch, you get an extra day stay at the hotel. Which extends your chance of finding a maid, extends your chance at happiness. So there's a lot of pressure and, 
you know, I guess, reason to kill a loner. <laughs> yeah. But anyways. And once the loners are caught, they get turned into an animal was my understanding, right? Yeah, I didn't quite get that exactly. But again, like there's so much to kind of assume and kind of take for your own, which is a fun part of the movie, I'd say. You kind of try to latch onto this world in your own way and kind of you build this yeah. picture in your head of, you know, how things are ran there. But um, like I guess I was trying to get to is just their relationship in the in the woods or, you know, as loners starts to blossom and they do you end up falling in love and they have to hide their love secretly and they Otherwise, ha- the loners will punish them. Or else loners will punish them and they have like this very, very intricate like hand signal like regimen on how to describe what they're doing or how to show affection without showing affection. Yeah. And There's a hand signal for wanting to fuck you. And yeah. I think like, that that adds to the sort of comedy of the movie too. Totally, yeah. It's, it's these kind of like, you know, these these brash or harsh like phrases that come about every now and then that you know, kind of give some context to what's going on or like you're saying adding comedy totally um yeah. yeah so but like i guess you know we're talking about the lack of love or the expectations of love but nonetheless we do kind of see a sense of true love blossom yeah. but i think what's interesting is that you know it's the loner not where it's said it belongs it's right? not yeah the loners themselves are against true love exactly and you know it's funny to think that you know I guess he ran away from trying to find love and then ended up finding love in, you know... Exactly. The strangest place of, you know, the... He found love in a hopeless place, if you will. Yeah. But... So, I mean, it is really kind of an interesting idea. I mean, he was just left a group that was trying to force him to fall in love. Yeah. And now he's with a group who wants nothing to do with the idea of romance or partnership or anything like that. It's kind of every man for themselves. We stick together only because we're stronger in a pack. But that kind ends up vibe. being where he, he does and fall in he, love. Yeah, and he ends up falling in love. So it's kind of a cool contrast. It is kind of cool. It yeah. definitely, it definitely uh, adds to kind of maybe the film coming full circle. That being said, though, it, like my only gripe with this movie is like this portion in particular of the film is a little slow. It's It yeah. drags on a bit. The forest scenes and them kind of falling in love, it's just not as interesting to a degree. It's as important. The, everything that was going on in the hotel. It's definitely important, and I think the film picks, picks its pace back up eventually. But, I mean, like... If I'm being critical, I'll be honest. That, that part is a little bit... You're right. It's a little it draggy. does slow down a little bit, for sure. Um, and I guess this is kind of, you know, an interesting point of their relationship blossoming is they keep going into the city, kind of as they do. I never was really entirely sure on why they go to the city. Did you, like, did you pick up on that? The only thing I got from that was the head of the, the, sort of the leader of the loners wanted to visit her mother and father and kind of put up a front that she's doing okay on her or she's doing okay with a fake husband and is like successful at a fake job and these are her fake colleagues yeah exactly. and it's this big front that she's like hiding she's away trying from. to remain a part of the society she's essentially exiled herself from right, right? was there anything else you caught on well they, got, they, they went the into city? the mall i remember colin farrell's character getting some back rub because as we know he had a sore back throughout the movie or he had a rough back yeah they they get some supplies or go shopping there was also a comment made from colin farrell to the short-sighted girl saying are you going to get anything nice for yourself while we're in the city? Is there anything left on your list? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's kind of like, I don't know, going to, like, the corner store or something. Like, it's just it's the idea yeah. of going for a treat, I guess. It's like... And I think maybe just general supplies. I mean, they, they are surviving the woods, true. so for all we know, they could be picking up a bag of rice or yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. They're getting supplies. No, that's that's a good point. But, like, again, like, you were, we were talking, you don't really get a lot yeah, of information. You, you, you don't really, really know. Don't. Yeah. Um, but like these scenes in which they are kind of conversing with the leader's parents, that's kind of the only time that uh, 
David and his love interest get to be like physical. They get a kiss in front of their parents, of the leader's parents, because you know they're a couple. That's what couples do, kind of thing. Even though they're a fake couple, but that's exactly. kind of it. They're, kind of in, enlightens the fact that you know this is their actual instinct. Is what they want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the leader catches on to like what they're actually. Do- oh, she gets oh. the idea like, oh, they're actually like. She gets a hint that they're yeah. flirting or being a little too aggressive. Yeah, it's not just they're not just putting up a good front. This is actually like there's feelings there. Yeah. And so she doesn't take kindly to that one bit. No, matter of fact, she uh, she books an appointment with the eye doctor. <laughs> And brings in this short-sighted girl supposedly to cure her vision, to which she's wary to do. Yeah, she doesn't feel right about it. She wants to leave. And they go in a group of three, not two, which is an odd number and a negative number, negative connotation in this Right, they society. don't have a partner with them, so it's risky. Yeah. You, uh, oh, yeah, one thing, I, before we go into that last point of the doctor's office, I think we should bring up the fact that when they're at the mall... Colin Farrell standing alone, and a, a mall officer, a mall cop, comes up to him and says, excuse me, sir, where's your partner? Do you have your uh, marriage certificate? Right, yeah, like, it's like, it's, it's like, where's your papers? Like, it's yeah, the idea exactly, of like so it's like you have yeah. to be with a partner almost. And you're, you're, the partnership is your identity, it's, it's your yeah. identification, it's how you're associated and kind of like assimilated into this society and like, I guess, the culture they're building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is, that's an interesting thing, and... He's, he's like, oh, I don't have them with me. My wife has them. She's going to be bringing them. And then she does show up. She's like, oh, honey, here's mine. Or here, here's your papers. Do you need to see mine? Yeah. And she's, like, she's obviously done it once or twice. She, you know, she's very natural with it. He's a little bit more stunted and awkward, and he's not really handling the situation terribly well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Like These like city adventures they have, you kind of start to build the bigger picture on how things operate outside of the woods and outside of... The hotel, I guess. Because those are the yeah. only three settings we really get that's within right, the film. Yeah. Hotel, woods, and in the city is is our only taste. Yeah, that's, that's essentially it. Um, but yeah, this leader is not too happy with these folks. Like you're saying, she get, she blinds uh, Rachel Wise's character, and she's she's embarrassed to go see David again because, you know, they can't kind of... They don't have any... They can't Level do their ground. hand signals. Yeah. They, uh, you know, she's no longer no longer short sighted. She oh. doesn't have something in common with. Yeah, him. which she's... is a great point. Uh, Colin Farrell's character wears glasses. He's short sighted himself. That's yeah, that's, that's their, their commonality. Common ground. Um, What's cool yeah. is they t- turn around and take um, this commonality that people seem to look for in sort of w- before they're going into a relationship, and they turn around and 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 take it into a positive almost where. Colin Farrell makes him uh, makes himself blind to be similar to her. Right, that's that's kind of like choice, and that's that's the that's the epicenter of the film. That's where the film kind of cracks down. Yeah, we get we get this we get this shocking and very haunting scene at the end of the film that involves Colin Farrell standing in front of a mirror with like a steak knife that he specifically asks from the waiter so he can stab his, himself in the eye to become blind. So that him and his love interest have that commonality. They so can they continue can... to be in love. They can live in the city together, which they had escaped to at this point, And he had already uh, buried the leader. Yeah. So it's funny because they essentially ran away from a certain lifestyle and ended up being part of that lifestyle. Yeah. And I think just like the last bit of him blinding himself is like, the, you know, the quote, like, love is blind. I kind of sh- yeah, stuck with me for absolutely. sure. Absolutely, and you know, I think you brought up when we were watching the second time, the waiter after he's comes out of the restaurant bathroom blind, just like 
his partner, he sits down and the waiter brings water to them. And it's sort of this like, it's almost as if it's it's very normal now. Yeah, it's like this Things wide, long shot, long take that just like is very still and quiet and everything kind of seems happy-go-lucky on the surface, but knowing the context of what's been going on, you're like, holy shit, this place is fucked. Like, yeah. things are not normal right now. Exactly. Um, well, look at the yeah. way, well, look at what the world has pushed these two people to do. To do, become. yeah, the mistakes they took to, I guess, find love, kind of, like, almost on their their own instincts. You know, they were pushed by society, they were pushed by another society, but at the end of the day, it was like, well, we came into this on our own, but did they really do that on their own? That was still, like, their, like, exactly. mentality that they were kind of force-fed for years and years. Yeah. So, I mean, this 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 is a really interesting film. Paints an yeah. incredible world. Totally. There's lots of room for extra thought in it uh, to, to sort of explain certain uh, discrepancies to yourself and, and different uh, perceptions of the movie, for sure. Totally. Yeah, These no. are a few points we thought were really important to discuss because it is a really fun movie. There's lots to be said. Yeah, I mean, we probably only scratched the surface, honestly, at this point. There's a lot to be said, but, you know, we had fun doing it. Yeah. One, one small tidbit is, I don't know if you guys watch Friends out there, but there's an episode where Phoebe talks about how lobsters tend to find a mate and live together for 100 years, and when Ross and Rachel are together, he's like, oh, he's her lobster. I'm just saying, I don't know if my boy from Greece... Was a big fan of Friends, but I think he might be. Yeah. I'm putting that out there right now. You guys let me know. I'm curious <laughs> to see what you think on that. Connection between uh, Friends and the Lobster? Oh, I made it there. Who knows? I went there. I'll take it as far as I have to. But that's it for us today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Season 2 is going off. I'm feeling good about it so far. Yeah, we're glad to be back. We're glad to be back. I'm sweating so bad in the studio right now. So we we're going to get some fresh air. We're going to call it quits. You guys take care. We'll see you soon. Yeah, and by all means, hit us up on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud. Instagram. Check out our website, yeah. Instagram. All that stuff. Like that. Subscribe wherever you can. You know, Check us on all the podcast apps. We're everywhere at this point. We love your appreciation support. We're signing out.